Welcome to Career Tipper Podcast, hosted by Michelle Beatty. The Career Tipper Podcast is a motivational resource that shares career and entrepreneurial tips by industry experts that will help amazing people evolve to their professional best. And now your host, Michelle Beatty. Episode 36 of the Career Tipper Podcast is from our Archives Vault that features Emily Ellen. She is a chef and culinary educator. Emily is a home economics teacher you've always wanted. She single-handedly started the Retro Rad cooking movement and encourages everyone to dig through their mother's recipe box, dust off their pressure cookers and crock pots, and take the old and make it new. With her quirky persona and trademark cat eye glasses, you'll find Emily cooking at food events around the world, lecturing or hosting special events, and doing brand consulting, all while developing her Retro Rad culinary TV career. Through it all, she's gained a loyal following. You've seen her on Food Network, Cupcake Wars on Food Network, and morning news shows across the country, as well as a cameo cartoon appearance on The Simpsons. Emily is going to share how being authentic and confidently true to herself consistently has advanced her in her career in culinary arts while enjoying the journey. I'm your host, Michelle Beatty, professional development author and coach. Emily, welcome to the Career Tipper Podcast. Woohoo! Hello, Michelle. Thank you for that wonderful intro. It's just so awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. You are just like spark greatness. I'm like, I am so excited for my listeners to hear what you have to say about your journey through the culinary industry. Well, ask away. I am here to answer all your questions. Okay, fabulous. I admire your personal and rad culinary style. You mixed it to create a definitive yet ever-evolving brand. So please share the inspiration that has cultivated your voice and presence within the culinary industry. Well, let's see. My inspirations probably start way back when, when I was um, little, growing up on a farm in northeastern Ohio, and we raised and grew all the food that we ate. So it was like, just good, just good home cooking. And I, um, I really fell in love with food. And I fell in love with the idea of hospitality when my mother would just invite everyone she would invite all the orphans from around town who didn't have a place to get a, uh, a meal or, you know, like Thanksgiving, they didn't have family to go to. So we always had a full table and I would look around and I, and I would just, I, I just would soak it in. There's something magical happening around the dining room table. When people break bread, everybody gets quiet. They start humming and like just smiling and then good conversation happens no matter if you're having a bad day or not you just you can't help but be happy with good food in front of you so I I always I, I wanted to get into the culinary industry at that point and now the retro rad part of things that happened also at quite a young age I always had this affinity I don't know call it past life or what have you towards the 50s and the 60s and even my mom 
will kind of roll her eyes and tell stories about how I had to like pull my hair up in a, a tight pony like the girls on Grease. And I begged my aunt to make me a poodle skirt one year for Halloween. And I wore that thing until the poodle ran off of it. I mean, I just <laughs> fell in love with it. So that's kind of where I got my start. Now, you know, education came from there and all this other TV stuff, but I'm, I'm sure you've got some good questions to ask and we'll get into that in a moment. But did I answer the first question? You did. And I love how you shared making magic happen, like your culinary and um, watching your mom invite people into your home. I, I, I share that sentiment. I definitely feel that sharing a meal with someone is very personal yeah. and um, it definitely sparks like intimate conversations, you're sharing souls, you're sharing food. I'm a hummer when I'm enjoying food. <laughs> yes, I am. So I, I I genuinely appreciate you sharing that because sometimes people don't know where it comes from or they don't think because it's always been a part of what they do, not always making that connection. Oh, I love it. And, you know, my mantra is to feed people through their hearts, minds, and stomachs. And I always, I stay true to that. I like that mantra. <laughs> so you've worked in what seems to be every aspect and role associated with culinary from harvesting food and raising animals to planning and presenting like five star dining experiences that has created a strong and diverse following of foodies. How has these experiences re- reiterated your core values of what you choose to represent as your legacy and be seen throughout your brand? Well, um, the interesting thing about me is that I am my brand and I have to embody, I have to embody all the core values and vice versa. My company has to. And it was, it was kind of cool back about three years ago when my business partner and I decided that Emily Ellen was going to become Emily Ellen Productions. And I was going to be a, um, a, I guess, a, a, a public figure, and then travel the country as a celebrity chef, we sat down and actually wrote a business plan like a real business. So we had to identify kind of like all the all the core values and we sat down and did it just like a business plan. And we had pages of words, but we continually gravitated towards um, three core pieces of 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 me. And what Emily Ellen stands for. And it was it was cool because what we came up with was anything I do from blog posts to a recipe to an event to a TV appearance, it has to have elements of food, of course fun, and elements of fashion because I like to have, you know, I like to make it look good and I like to, you know, have it be cutting edge and trendy and have that kind of like retro rad feel. So, um, every, everything has food, fun and fashion woven into it. And that, and that kind of goes with when brands are approaching me to be their brand ambassador, if it doesn't resonate with me and my values, then it's not the right fit for them or for me. And so I just kindly, you know, part my ways and go on and um support them from afar and and we plug through life (laughs) i do your three core pieces dictate your moves that you make within your brand and those that you work with it it needs to be in sync with that for you Mm -hmm. to be at peace with everything 
Absolutely. And it's so simple. I mean, we couldn't have it be difficult. It couldn't be a long um, mission statement. You know, I just, it had to be simple so that we could, across the board, evaluate things quickly. And it just came down to food, fun, and fashion. I dig it. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, got to keep it real. You do. You do. So, Emily, you've earned the opportunity to be a part of major platforms that have elevated your vision for your brand. Sharpen your skills and collect a few new cherished friends and mentors along the way. How have you remained confidently, authentically, Emily, during these experiences and interactions? Well, it's because I do keep it real and I... You know, to be honest, I have to pinch myself every day and I, I have to be very humble. I wouldn't be having this interview with you and I wouldn't be having interviews with other people or having TV opportunities and writing opportunities and, um, if people didn't believe in me. And so I have to be real with the fact that they're believing in me, so I have to be me, and I have to be that authentic person. So, like I said, if it doesn't resonate with food, fun, and fashion, it doesn't fit my mantra to feed people through their hearts, minds, and stomachs, then, well, it's just not going to (laughs) happen. Your cat eye glasses seem to be your signature mark. Beyond the rad style, like, I can see you maybe having an eyewear line of, cat eye glasses so where did that come from well um it's funny because I had pretty good eyes growing up and my mom and my sister had to wear glasses and I have to tell you I was just even though I'd eat my carrots I would be like oh man I wish I could just wear glasses (laughs) and so when I finally had to wear glasses at about the age 17 18 I beelined right to the most funky, crazy, big cat-eyed glasses. And my mom was just like, oh, my goodness, what the (laughs) heck? And she's like, they weren't weren't cool when I was young, and they're still not cool. And I said, Mom, you don't know what you're talking about. These are my glasses. And I've been, frankly, I've been wearing these cat-eyed glasses, um, since then and I love them they're just I have a real um kind of uh just an addiction to uh to cool little accessories so I find I find cat-eyed glasses I love shoes I love even cooking accessories cooking utensils and I I don't know you're right I could eventually have a line that would be so cool um now I'm not that I, I specialize in designing glasses, but I have aligned with uh, C Eyewear, and I I have 35 pairs of their glasses, and I just love their style. They're hip without the rip. They're cool. They're, they always have the neatest style. So, um, yeah, I just they resonated with me, and I had to have them. They, they fit the food, fun, and fashion. <laughs> they do, and it just makes it very signature for you. Like when you see you, and then when, you're, when you talk about the crock pots and the pressure cookers, it does make you think about the 50s and 60s. And, you know, like your grandmother, depending on the age of your parents, might be your mom or whoever, mm-hmm. or your favorite aunt. Like it does all associate with that, that time, and you're just like, nope, it's current. Till, it's still current. Yeah. <laughs> And you should just see how many people come up to me. 
after they've they've heard me speak or even just walking down the um road and they're like you do remind me of my my grandmother oh my gosh let me tell you this story and they have such beautiful memories associated with that era and i've i've always felt that being able to take everybody back to that kind of retrograde leave it to beaver kind of mindset freeze them in a sense you know it it wasn't easy it wasn't easy then it's not easy now to really you know go through our day to day and you know go to work and take care of the kids and juggle all these things but when you turned on the boob tube at that to that era it was just like they floated around june cleaver you know just had this easy fearless entertaining kind of lifestyle now I want people to tune into that kind of mindset so they can just have peace and then create fun things. And it gives them that half an hour, hour, however long that they're tuned into one of my my shows or my um, appearances, and then they can just be free to just kind of dream. That's how I've always thought about it. But that goes back to you um, learning magic, creating a magical moment from your mom. Absolutely. Yeah, time does kind of stand still when you're you're breaking bread with people and it's just it's just you're kind of kind of at peace. And a good full meal. You know, we can't all unfortunately we can't all be fed well um yet. We haven't figured out how to get everybody fed and happy, but that's a that's a mission that I I'm taking on to get everybody fed healthy, you know, and full, but Plugging along, plugging along, Michelle, you know, <laughs> no. trying to do my part. <laughs> hey, every contribution counts. It, yeah. it really does. Emily, please finish this sentence. Emily refuses to before doing while being committed to. Oh, wow. Okay, let's see. Okay, well, I would say I, Emily, refuse to quit before doing everything I can to achieve my dreams while being committed to myself, my family, and the universal powers to be. How about that? Happy dance. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm really set on, well, I really believe in, in setting goals. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that everyone should dream and have a plan to get there. And, um, Every year for my birthday, I sit down and I think of it as my new year and I write down, what am I going to do this year in every aspect of my life for myself, my family, my house, my career, my school life. And I, I may, I set my goals and you know what I hit, I hit about 98% of them every year. And then, you know, some get tweaked along the way or I find something more exciting or another door opens and the other one gets put on the back burner. But I, since that, probably the age of 12, when I heard those adults talking about this culinary school, the Culinary Institute of American Hyde Park, New York, and I set my um, sights on it and I, I really started believing at that point the law of attraction, the power of prayer and really setting your intentions and bringing your dreams into fruition. And I've done it every year since. How do you keep tally of your goals throughout the year to have such a great percentage of accomplishment? 98%. That's amazing. 
episode. Oh, I wish we, I wish I was on Skype video now because you'd see my office door. You know, I had a, a bulletin board and then I ran out of wall space because I kept tacking up ideas. And then I had a, I would just put them in my computer, but that wasn't fun because you can't see them on your computer. So what I did was my office door, I just painted it white and I started with markers drawing on it and tacking everything up that I wanted to do for the year. So I have a big goals at the top. I'm looking at it right now. And all these newspaper clippings and pictures of friends and family. And I have a part that says vision and it's my handwritten vision from this birthday, all written out. I, Emily, will do. And then, and then that's how I, I kind of keep a tally. And at the at next year, we look back at it. Michael, my partner, and I, we look back at it and say, wow, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> oh, let's do this this year. Oh, we didn't get to that one. Okay, well, you know, and we, we redo it. <laughs> but it's fun. It sounds fun, and it sounds like you just create your own tsunami of joy. It's coming. You know it. It's, like, going to overtake you, just greatness and goodness. I love it. Well, you know, life is short. Why? I mean, why waste it being unhappy and miserable? You know, really find joy in every day. If you're not doing what you love, love find a way to love what you're doing. You know, I've done plenty of jobs that I I wasn't really necessarily happy in, but I was looking for a way to to make it wonderful every day that I went to work or every day that I had to do that chore or what have you. So, I mean, just you've got to kind of create that happiness for yourself. Indeed, I agree with that 100%. And not give up on creating the happiness no matter what happens. Oh, no. Never give up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're a treat. Okay, so Emily, not everyone in the culinary industry chooses to incorporate a formal education into their journey of becoming a subject matter expert. Please share how your choice to being a consistent student from an academic perspective has continued to add value to your career. Yeah, I I love teaching and sharing what I've learned along the way. And um and I've always looked at uh, at the TV career as an opportunity to have a a really large classroom. Now, I have to I have to admit I wasn't a really good student growing up. I I am dyslexic. I'm not the best writer. I love reading, though, and I love to be read to. And, I, man, I consume books on tape, and I, I consume so much literature throughout the day and um, throughout my life. But I wasn't a good student. My mom had to actually kind of teach me. She had patience enough to sit down, and she would read to me. And then she'd be like, okay, come on, Emmy, let you just tell me, tell me what you want to say. And I'd tell her and I'd give her these big speeches and she'd, she'd type them for me. And then I'd go back and I'd read them and we'd work on them together. And then, then she said, okay, write them. And then I'll go back and I'll check that the grammar, make sure it makes sense. And then after that, she's like, Oh no, I, yeah, I don't have to read it anymore. You got this. And she kind of weaned me off of it. And I fell in love with the process. And then I just kept going and I found a subject matter that I really enjoyed. And, you know, I went into the culinary field and it it was just 
set me up for success because it was something that I liked. It was a trade school. It was good for my mind. It was good for that kind of like dyslexic mind that likes create creative outlets. And when I was at the Culinary Institute of America, you know, I could have gone in a million different directions. I could be in a restaurant right now, but a couple of the professors took me over to the side and they said, Hey, you are a great chef. You will be a great chef, but you're wasting your talents in the back of the house. You really need to be in the front of the house and you need to be teaching. And from there on, I committed myself to education. I stayed and I did a teaching assistantship at the CIA. And then I, I went on and pursued higher education and I'm, I'm in love with it. In your education, pursuit of your education took you overseas for a while, correct? Oh, yeah. One of my masters is from the Académie Internationale du Management in Paris. So I got to study abroad. That was really wonderful. Truly wonderful. That's inspiring for someone, one of my listeners, I'm sure, um, just to be able to think bigger for their brand. But it's always <laughs> great to like expand expand perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exciting. Okay, so what are a few of your must-haves in the kitchen and in life? Well, we already talked about accessories. You know I love my cat-eyed glasses. Yes. I also collect shoes and um, my, so my office, I have bookshelves, but one bookshelf is full of what my business partner calls my work of art, and I have like a bunch of shoes just lined up, and I you know, I, it just makes me giggle every day when I see it. And then, um, yeah, kitchen accessories. Well, you need that crock pot and that pressure cooker. I think everybody needs a crock pot for sure. You know, it's like that. You can set it and forget it. You can keep things warm for a party. You can cook things ahead for a party so you can be a fearless entertainer and the hostess with the mostest when everybody comes over. Um, and you need... Loads of rubber spatulas. I don't know why. I just love rubber spatulas. You can use them as spoon scrapers, cleaning devices. I don't know. Rubber spatulas are great. <laughs> they don't scratch your pants. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I probably have a million other accessories like my zester and juicer, but we'll go on for days if I keep going. <laughs> I must ask you, are you familiar with the Wonder Bag? No, what's that? Okay, so one of my friends, she's a chef. Her name is Jen Ross. She's a, a Caribbean vegan chef. Oh, yeah. And so she delivered lunch one day, and she had this bag. And I'm like, what is that? She goes, oh, your meal's in here. And I'm like, what do you mean my meal's in there? And she's like, it's a portable, non-electric slow cooker. Oh, yeah, it was an oh moment. I was oh. like, wow. Well, I wrote that down. That's on the top of my accessory list now. <laughs> yes. Wonder bag. Okay. Wonder bag. I and was, who's, what's Jen's last name? I'm going to look her up and follow her. Oh, Jen Ross. R-O-S-S. Okay. And, um, Caribbean vegan. I love it. Yes. Yes. You can find the bag on Amazon. There's There's a whole amazing story to go with it, but... Oh, that's good. Okay, I'm going to read up on the company. Thanks. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. I just wanted to share that. Like, side <laughs> See, listeners, get a wonder bag. <laughs> side bar. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so Emily, please share a few things that's listed on your bucket list. Curious minds want to know. Well, I have lots of things on my bucket list, but the, the top priority 
that I'm working on this year is my book. I just have to publish my book. So I'm working on my TV tray chic book right now, which should be a hoot and um, hopefully available by next year. So that is the bucket list top priority. I feel you about the book. (laughs) Yes, yes. The book is a work in progress. The progress, yeah. The process, man. (sighs) Yes. I I clink glasses with you on that one. (laughs) Clink, clink. We will all have our books soon. We will trade them for Christmas presents in the near future, I hope. (laughs) Yes, yes. That is like vision coming to life right there. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you. Your energy is over the top, fun and spawn smiles across the room. What are few things or activities that help keep you adventurous and your spirit filled with happiness? Well, I'm blessed this lifetime to be doing what I love. And so that really helps. Um, But from the day-to-day kind of perspective, the routine, I found that I can only really be action-packed, go all out for three days. And I like working. And I like, like I said, I, I like doing what I do. So I will work nonstop for three days, but then I need a break. And I, I'll take one day off and then go three days, one day off. But my one day down day, I seem to kind of just bumble around the house, very quiet, read books, take baths. I'll, I'll have people over and entertain. I just have like a quiet kind of down day. And then I'm back up and running again. But that just seems to be my kind of cadence. And that's how I do it. So taking time to refuel is essential for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have a favorite restaurant? Oh, geez. Like choosing a favorite child? (laughs) Well, um, yeah, I do. I have lots of favorites. (laughs) I, you know, when I'm looking for trends and I'm looking to um, different cities to find like really good dishes, I always look at Chicago and I look at Atlanta and I find that they're, oh, my dog just came in the room and he must like this conversation as well. So, um, we might have an active puppy howling soon, but I always look to Atlanta and Chicago and, um, kind of their food scene, because if you ever have a chance to, to get up there, man, they eat good in those two cities. But now we're here in Orlando And we are coming into our own as an awesome food city. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, Courtesy is doing really good with their drinks. Um, The Rusty Spoon downtown has this watermelon squid salad to die for. Oh, my gosh. There's um, this bowl of mussels um, at Rustique in College Park. And then they also have one in Ocoee. And then they have this dish called the mahi out of control that I just love. Let's see. Kevin, I could go on and on, but Kevin um, over at K Restaurant, he has these truffle dinners, and he's doing spectacular things. Then the dessert lady over in um, Dr. Phillips' area, she has the best carrot cake on earth. And, um, (laughs) oh, gosh. I I mean, I could truly eat and eat. Every every second of the day, and I would not 
I would not satisfy every taste bud and every favorite dish, every favorite restaurant. There's so many good ones. Oh my gosh, have you eaten at Pig Floyd's yet? No, I have not, but I pass uh-huh. it on a regular basis on Mills. Yes. Mm-hmm. The chicken butter tacos. Yummy. Okay, taking note. <laughs> yeah, see, we'll take our wonder bags on a road trip and we'll fill them with all these good foods. <laughs> chicken butter tacos. Yes, from Pig Floyd's. Oh my gosh. Sea Thai. I just had this whole lemongrass, this fried snapper and lemongrass sauce. Oh, it's so good. And this mango curry. Oh, <laughs> life is so awesome. <laughs> Well, I love that your palate is diverse, even though you are, you have your set um, focus for your brand. I love that you're diverse in what you enjoy and partake in and can share so many amazing um, recommendations for the listeners. That's awesome. Well, you can't be a good cook without being a good eater. How am I going to know when I, I have that dish and I'm stirring that pot and I'm tasting it and saying, Ooh, what does this need? What does this need? Well, I won't know what it needs unless I know what's out there. So I have to eat. <laughs> Validation is key. Yes, that's what I'm telling my uh, personal trainer tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're—it's a part of your best practice. You're—you're you're making sure that you stay healthy. Yes, <laughs> I'm drinking water while we speak. <laughs> no, it's important. I think every professional. Um, <clears throat> needs to be mindful of their health because it really is a part of keeping you confident. Health is a part of your confidence. Um, yes. Not, I don't know if everyone makes that connection, but if the depth that you take care of yourself shows how much you genuinely care about yourself Mm of, of worthiness of being taken care of, of fueling your body with good things, according to whatever you can invest in, just making good choices shows confidence. Absolutely. Yep. Eating good, surrounding yourself with good people, getting enough sleep. Yeah. Laughing, (laughs) laughing yoga, the best exercise on earth. (laughs) Laughing is essential. Yep. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. So do you have a favorite city? Well, I know I you shared Atlanta and Chicago for like your favorite eats and all yeah. that. Well, I do. I'm very partial to Orlando because I live here. <laughs> I love it. Um, and, you know, I'm from Ohio and I'm from Manaway, Ohio. So I, I can't really say that I like a particular city in Ohio, but I like Northeastern Ohio. And I, I love Central Florida, too. Mm hmm. No, I can't pick. Okay. (laughs) Don't pick. Good places out there. Yes. I think travel's good too. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Okay. So is there anything that you would change about your professional journey to date? No, not really. You know, I do. I'm constantly learning and evolving with business and just in every day with life. But if I, I think it goes back to kind of that saying, you know, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for everything that happened in my past. I, I, you know, I wouldn't change anything. Is there a lesson from each experience you've had so far from your TV career or just from your culinary travels that you have from each experience that stands out that connects you to the next one? 
Yeah, you know what? Um, there are a lot of benchmark moments, and it's really interesting when they happen. You you know they kind of happen. Um, there will be – I can't think of anything specific right now, but Michael and I were just having this conversation. I wanted to – I was really adamant about getting this book together and like pushing it through right away. And, um, and then there was another opportunity that came for a TV opportunity. And it was kind of this like, okay, what's going to happen? Can I do both at the same time? And it was weird. Right. When I kind of like asked the question, a roadblock just moved me in a different direction. And I was like, okay, I guess this is what I'm going to do. And I, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to write my book. I'm going to read a book a week and I'm going to write my book this year. And in two and a half weeks, I had 25 people send me books out of the blue. Wow. Is that weird? I mean, that's like a message, a message from heaven. (laughs) I mean, it was so interesting. Someone interviewed me and said, Hey, you know, I wrote this book a long time ago, uh, about it's like a spiral bound church cookbook. I think you'll have a, you'll get a kick out of reading it. And she sent me the book. Oh, I haven't, you know, I had friends. Oh, I haven't sent you my book. Uh, wow. Uh, here, will you review it for me? And I swear 25 books in two and a half weeks. That is so interesting. I have piles. I'm like sitting on books right now. Just different type of books. Just different. But were they yeah, all different you, books? You kind of have to like trust your gut and you have to be really receptive to what is happening around you. Okay. Yeah. So are the books different? Like, I don't, I think when you receive stuff like that, there's like a lesson from each one. So were they all culinary books or were they business or was it just like a yeah. fun read or a novel? It was an odd mix. For instance, um, one of my friends, Marie St. Louis, she sent me her book that she just published called RSVP from Heaven. It was nothing that I probably would have picked up on my own. It was um, all about her her adventures and her life as a psychic medium. Then on the flip side, I had a bunch of cookbooks. And then um, another, another gift was my... Um, my really good friend, Kwitai Neal, she was actually very instrumental in in teaching me how to cook. Her name is Dr. Kwitai Neal. She was like my um, Malaysian mother growing up. She was my mom's best friend growing up. And she taught me how to cook all these Malaysian dishes. And I just really fell in love with food. And she was a doctor of food. So that kind of helped also put me on the path to education. Um, she had just published a book and she gave that to me and then five other books about writing. Because as soon as I told her, Oh, wow, you're giving me this book. This is so weird. You know, X amount of books have been sent to me this week. (laughs) She says, that's funny. I have all these books I wanted to give you, um, for writing this book. I think you should write a book. So it was really odd how synchronistic it all was. And there was a total diverse group of books and they have each taught me different things. Um, from the writing process to how to lay out a a cookbook to um, just kind of finding my own voice. Like 
Marie is really good with just telling stories and she's very clear in her writing how she just lets it flow off her tongue. And then Simon Majumdar, he has more of a storytelling book on his culinary adventures. Um, and he tells stories and that kind of helped me as well. So yeah, they all taught me something. That is so cool. Yeah. That is so I guess the moral of the story is, um, if you're going to be a good cook, you got to eat. If you're going to be a good reader or a good writer, you got to read something like that. (laughs) Indeed. Listeners out there, more power to you. If you're going to do this book process, it is hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be great because you've been toiling with it. So that means that sometimes, um, how they say you labor for love for a long time, the, the actual delivery is going to be amazing. So I'm excited to eventually in the near future, be someone that invests in your book and learns from it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I firmly believe that when this first book is done, then it will open, open me up to many more books. I feel like I have a whole library inside me. It's just getting that first one done and learning the process. It's a journey. Without a doubt. I think that's what blocking has taught me. Just don't take yourself so seriously. Every, every post, every interview, it's, it's a lesson. So, So just go with it. Get the lesson. It's okay. If you have to hit the restart button, it's okay. Absolutely. And you learn every time that you do it, you become more comfortable. You learn new techniques. Um, yeah, I mean, we're just getting better. I'm happy to be the seventh interview for Michelle, <laughs> and I will be li- I will be listening to the seventieth and the seven hundredth and dot dot dot. I love it, and I appreciate it because a year ago, if you would have told me that I Michelle Beatty would be a podcaster, I would have I would have been like, "What are you talking about?" Hey, you just needed to tune in your retro radio skills it's so true because my whole point is like expanding how i deliver my message of inspiring people to be career confident and sometimes a blog post it's great but it's not enough so i've just learned to be creative and how i inspire others and it's been amazing i love it and as an audit auditory listener or learner rather i like hearing things in the background and I liked and do like and appreciate having these podcasts especially your podcast just kind of running in the background I I think it's wonderful so keep it up please for all of us I will I will thank you for that that's so encouraging because one thing about it is people are sharing their lives and that's very personal Mm -hmm. and so I take it very seriously because they don't have to share their life with you and I want to always make sure that each interview gifts a very a tribute and honor to that person that interviewed because that's now a part of their legacy because you never know who's going to listen. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. I feel blessed. Oh, thank you. I want to end this episode with this affirmation, choosing to be a continued work in progress to becoming authentically yourself is worth it. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> so Emily, please share how listeners can get in touch with you. Oh, please visit me at emilyellen.com and I have all my social channels there. Follow along on my culinary journey um, and I'll be following back. This is exciting. Thank you so much. 
And you can find me, Michelle Beatty, at CareerTipper.com and on Facebook and Instagram at CareerTipper and on Twitter at CareerTipper1. Please listen and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. If you enjoyed this episode or any other episode of the Career Tipper podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Thanks so much for joining and remember to be confidently you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Career Tipper Podcast. We're grateful for our listeners and guests. For more resources about how to evolve to your professional best, share your comments and feedback about this episode and your suggestions for future guests, visit careertipper.com. Until next time, be confidently you.